I tell you what, there are times in my life that there have been life-changing moments to occur. And I didn't know it at the time. You understand, life-changing moments are not age-graded. Life-changing moments don't happen just because you're a certain age. Life-changing moments can happen to anyone. And if you will allow the Lord to use that moment, it will be life-changing. And I believe that there are some that, I want, that God's laid on my heart today that I believe God has said, David, I want you to preach this because I really believe in today's world these three life-changing moments in the life of Joseph have made, are, are happening every day. And I want you to see these because, you know, I can't fill you in with all the details unless I was Denise's sister, Debbie. You don't know her, but when you talk to her about a story, it's every minutia detail. You take the phone, you put it on speakerphone, and, you, and every once in a while... You say, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. How many of you have a person like that in your life? Now, let me say this. I love Debbie with all my heart. And if she's listening, don't tell her to watch this, Denise. Don't you dare tell her to watch this. <laughs> Brianna, am I telling the truth or not? I, I am. Okay. But anyway, she's a great pastor's wife, great lady. But, you know, people, I can't do that this morning. I've got to take snippets because we've got a lot of ground to cover. But I want you to set the stage, I want to set the stage for you here because when I said life-changing moments are not age-graded, that's exactly what I mean. Because we're going to look at the life of Joseph and we're going to pick it up when he's just about Nathan's age. Nathan who led us in prayer, he's 16. According to where we are here, he is 17 years old. How many of you young folks here are 17? All right. How many of are 17 or 18? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that's the age that Joseph finds himself in this situation. Now, you know the story leading up to it. I, I want you to understand that there, these three life-changing moments, uh, and, and I call them snapshots, not Snapchat. Some of you say, we had Snapchat today in church uh, with Jesus. No, snapshots, okay? Uh, snapshots. Because we're going to take just a picture of a moment in Joseph's life and learn what he was going through. If you'll look at me in Genesis chapter 37, if you'll turn there, please, you'll find that I want to read verse 3. Chapter 37, verse 3, we're going to find... His first moment, life-changing snapshot. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And notice verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. The first life-changing snapshot in the life of Joseph is that of rejection. 
I'm not sure if you've ever experienced rejection, but I have. How many of you would say, Brother David, I've experienced rejection? Would you raise your hand? More than, okay. Well, then let me tell you my story because it's the rejection of love. I was dating a young lady. I told my, I told my wife I was going to tell this story, so I'm okay, okay? She won't kill me. I was dating a young lady in college and for a year and a half, and I really thought she was the one. Anybody have been in that situation where you thought they were the one and they weren't? And uh, I thought she was the one. And I came Christmas time, my junior year in college, I'm thinking, okay, it's getting close. But I was putting myself through school. I couldn't afford the ring. So I got her a very nice, Opal diamond ring. We had talked. We knew where we were. I thought she loved me. I thought, I knew I loved her. I thought at that time. I thought, she went home Christmas and happy New Year on New Year's Eve. She kissed a man. Yes. Yeah. And I found out about it. She told me, actually. And I really did. But you, I mean, the rejection. You know what I'm saying about? I was totally rejected. I had invested in this relationship a year and a half. I really thought we were in a different place. I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. If I get married to her and she does that, that's a different story. You know what I'm saying? And so as a result, we did not get married. But I felt that very sense of rejection. But I cannot imagine, as, as bad and difficult as that was, I cannot imagine being rejected by my own family and flesh and blood. And yet Joseph was rejected. First of all, he was rejected because he was a favored son. Now, you know the story of Jacob and how that he was tricked into marrying two sisters. Boy, bless his heart. And he loved the one, but he married the oldest first and then married Rachel. And she was barren and couldn't have children for a long time. And that's why it said that, that uh, Joseph was born in his old age and uh, he was favored. He was favored. He was the favorite of, of Jacob. Now, you understand being the favorite has its benefits, but it also has its negatives. And in this case, the brethren hated him. And then what happened Joseph had some dreams. So he's a favored son, and then all of a sudden he had some dreams. Look in verse 8. You'll find that his brother said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet more. Not only was he hated, but he was much hated because he had dreams that said that they would bow to him. They couldn't see it. Now that's like baby brother Tell an oldest brother, you're going to bow to me. I'm going to be your boss one day. How many older brothers would like to hear the baby brother say that? Anybody? I happen to be the baby brother. I dare would never say that. I would never say it to my brothers. But, jo but Joseph did because it was true. It was a dream that he had. The sheaves bowed to him. You understand? But also not his only his brothers, but his mom and his dad also. So he had a dream, and so not only was he a favored son, but he had a favored future, and he was hated even more. Now jump down to verse 23 and 24 of chapter 37. And notice in cha chapter 37, 
Verses 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty and there was no water to it. Now what happened? He had to go check on brothers by his dad told him to go check on them, and they had plotted against him to kill him. They hated him so much, they wanted to kill him. Now, you may want to, how many of you ever said to your sibling, I'm going to kill you, but you didn't mean it. Well, wait a minute. No, you didn't mean it. But they literally mean it, meant it. They had fully intended to leave him in that pit and let him die. But look, look at verse 28. And then there passed by the Midianites merchants, by Midianites merchants, Men and drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, let me say this that is the ultimate of rejection. How many of you would say, Brother David, right now I'm experiencing in my life rejection? Come on now. I'm experiencing some rejection. I think rejection is something that's just not in our past. But I believe right now, if I were to give you statistics about children that are cutting or damage themselves or are struggling with drugs and, and uh, illicit sex, and if I would tell you about how many children would like to end their life because of rejection. Let me talk to you about the adults that have talked to me about their life and how they felt growing up rejection, and how now they're older and they're married, but they still feel rejection. Don't, talk, don't act like I'm up here without a current topic and a current thing that's going on in our society. Listen to me. People are being made to feel rejected. What's one form of rejection? Bullying. If you bully someone, shame on you. I happened to be big enough when I was going through school that if I saw bullying happen, I could kind of help out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I never liked bullying. Never. Never saw it was right at all. And by the way, bullying is absolutely a form of rejection. Joseph experienced rejection by his brothers only because he was a favored son and he had a favored future and he told them the truth. Now, you may not have, you don't, a lot of times rejection is not deserved. You don't receive rejection because, think about the one that was most rejected, Jesus himself. There was no reason he should have been rejected, but he was, even to the point of death. Let me tell you something, rejection is a common theme among everyone who walks this earth, including Jesus Christ. And you have that same issue. You say, wait a minute, David, I haven't really thought of it that way. And I'm not trying to make you feel badly. I want you to know that Joseph is a person that we can identify with in this matter of rejection. Think about this. They rejected him so much that they were quite willing to let a cruel slave traders do their dirty work for them. Joseph faced a 30-day journey through the desert, probably chained and on foot. He would be treated like baggage and once in Egypt would be sold as a piece of merchandise. His brothers thought they would never see him again that was their plan 
We learn in Genesis 37, verse 36, we won't read it right now, but Joseph's taken to Egypt and purchased by Potiphar, who is a captain of the guard for Pharaoh. In this short time, 17-year-old Joseph had been forcibly taken from his adoring father in a simple rural environment to endure slavery in a foreign land and culture, all from the hand of his own brothers. He faced rejection. And this morning, I know in the sound of my, under the sound of my voice, and in this building are some people who are feeling a sense of rejection even now. Let me tell you something. Jesus will never reject you. You have a place that he will welcome you. You can come to him. Yet, look at verse 30, chapter 39, verse 2. I want you to see this. Even though he was rejected, even though he was sold as a slave, even though he was bought by Potiphar, uh, an officer of Pharaoh, look in verse 2 of 39, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You mean to tell me you can prosper spiritually during a time of rejection? Yes, you can, with the help of the Lord. Rejection does not have to cause you to stray away from what God has planned for your life. You keep your eyes on Jesus, and you go towards him, and God will direct you. Let me tell you something. Rejection does not drive you from Christ. It should drive you to Christ. Rejection. He was rejected, betrayed, abandoned by his family. His status changed in an instance. Maybe you've experienced deep rejection. Maybe that experience causes you to even distrust a loving God who promises to never forsake you. But God says, I love you. And he said it with a cross. We don't know how long, for sure, the Bible doesn't tell us for sure how long he served in this role. I, we don't know in Potiphar's house. But there's a second life-changing snapshot. Now, get this. He's been, he's been rejected by his family. No doubt, struggling with all kinds of emotions. You can imagine, because I've had some of them. You know what I'm talking about. And I just mentioned some. Sometimes when rejection comes, you don't know sometimes. Depending on how deep it is, depending on how personal it is, what your emotions are going to be. But it, all the while, while he's doing that, and Satan decides to come at him again. That second life-changing snapshot is temptation. Rejection, temptation. Young Joseph was tempted. Throughout his ordeal, Joseph chose to trust God with everything that was happening to him. He was able to carry on his life up to this point. After all, his efforts were blessed by God, noticed by Potiphar, who eventually entrusted everything to Joseph's care except the food put in his mouth. Joseph was a young man. Notice his setup. And by the way, may I say to you, when Satan gets ready to tempt you, there's always a setup. He, now, God, God uses this. You understand that. But there's always a moment that he creates for that temptation to come when you're most vulnerable. But notice his setup. Look in verse, uh, chapter 39, verses 2 and 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him 
and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. First of all, we see that God's blessing on him was obvious by everyone looking on. In other words, every, he was like the Midas touch. Everything he did was blessed. And so it created this blessed atmosphere again. It was, he was obvious, he was blessed, he was faithful, and he was trusted. The master saw that he had a, so the setup was a great setup. Number two, he noticed his spirit in verse, verse 6 of chapter 39. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not ought he had say, had saved the bread which he did eat and noticed, and Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Notice goodly, meaning, ladies, he was handsome. Joseph was a handsome young man. Now, at this point, we don't know exactly how old he is. We know that he's older than 17 by now, but we notice that he is a handsome young man, and he was well-favored, meaning he had a wonderful personality. Now, some of you single ladies, how many of you wouldn't mind to meet a handsome young man that has a wonderful personality? See what I'm talking about? That is something that you're looking for. Well, automatically, he, was, he just had this wonderful spirit about him. He, his spirit was unbelievable. He had a wonderful setup in that he was, he was blessed, but he had a spirit about him that was humble, that made him very attractive. And may I say to you, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Is there? Is there anything wrong with being handsome or pretty? Is there anything wrong with being well-liked and, and likable? No. Nothing wrong with that, but that's what got him in troubles. He was, he had, he was trustworthy, he was responsible, he was good-looking, he was well-liked. I mean, he had a full package. He was really a nice guy. And then all of a sudden, look in verse 7 and 8. And it came to pass after these things, after all that Potiphar had done, putting him over everything in the house, giving him a place of importance, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me, but he refused. Now listen. Joseph was a young man, handsome man, away from his home, displaced. He had every reason to excuse himself from doing right. In our way of thinking, he had been mistreated. He had been betrayed. He had been sold. He had been a slave. He had nothing to look forward to. He had no reasons to stay true to what he knew he should do. He, no one was watching. No one cared. It was a private time. It was a time when he could do what he wanted to do. And she came after him. Notice what happened. You see his setup, you see his spirit, and you see her sexual accusation. May I say to you today, there are a lot of accusations going around sometimes that really have no foundation. Do you know that? Yeah. Now, I'm, I, know the, I know I'm talking to a society that has the Me Too movement. 
I know I'm talking to the side, and let me say this real quickly. If something is happening or has happened or needs to be dealt with, let's deal with it. But let's not make false accusations. Because in this situation, Joseph would have already been brought up, tried, put in jail, and, and, and everything. And that's exactly pretty much what happened. The Me Too movement might have started right here, really, from an evil, evil woman. Notice what happens in verse, and it came to pass, verses 11 and 12 of Genesis 39, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. Now, that right there is a serious oversight, somewhat. Uh, Joseph had to work, I understand, but there was no one in the house. And she knew it. And she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, notice, and fled and got him out. Not like that, and got him out. He ran. Let me tell you something. When temptation comes, what should you do? Run, man. Run, Forrest, run. Run. I'm telling you, when temptation comes, run. Get out of there. He left his garment. He left his coat. He was alone. Then he was accused. Look at verse 20. Jump down to verse 20. And Joseph's master took him. Now, what it, the story was told. She accused him falsely. We know the story. I'm not going to fill out a few details. She accused him of rape. The master believed her. And Joseph put, the Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. And notice it goes on, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Now, the king's prisoners were put in a special place. If the king didn't like you, you had a special problem. You understand? He was put in a prison inside the prison. I mean, he was not getting out, okay? And that's the kind of prison he put him in. Notice he was in prison, falsely accused of rape. Joseph remains in prison, forgotten by everyone except God, and has now been a slave in Egypt for 11 years approximately. Despite the incredible weight, Joseph refuses to allow discouragement to prison his heart and make him lose hope. He actively serves others and focuses on God with all his mind and strength. Let me tell you something. When you're imprisoned, when you're, you've been tempted, the thing to do is to focus on God and let him fill your thoughts and control your life. Jump down to verse 21 of chapter 39. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You mean to tell me, Joseph, when you, when you face rejection, and your family totally rejects you. Do you mean to tell me you can still have the presence of God with you? Absolutely you can. You mean to tell me, Joseph, when you're tempted, and you're tempted with the number one temptation for a man, you can be faithful, and God will be with you? Absolutely. Young men, you don't have to give in to temptation. Older men, you don't have to give in to temptation. Listen to me. Young women, you don't have to give in to temptation. Middle-aged ladies, you don't have to give in to temptation. It comes when you're most vulnerable. I believe in this room there may be someone being tempted at work. <laughs> 
I believe in this room there may be someone being tempted at school. I believe in this balcony there might be someone that's tempted in friendships. Let me tell you, you don't have to give in to temptation. God will be with you. How would you respond in Joseph's situation? Betrayed, forgotten, and assumed dead in a land you're not even a part of, serving someone who falsely accused you and you find yourself in prison, how would you respond? Oh, I'd sing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it in worship, why would you do it then? Ouch. Come on now. Let's talk about where, if, our, if our talk doesn't match our walk, we're in trouble a little bit, are we not? When the temptation comes by and we find ourselves in prison, doesn't it mean that we're probably going to have some struggle? Let me tell you something. God's there with you when you are. There's not a prison so dark God leaves you. There's not a prison so dark that God's not there. There's not a place that, there's not an Egypt far enough that you have to worry about God not being there. God's there before you got there. And God can be with you. Snapshot number one, rejection. Snapshot number two, temptation. Third life-changing snapshot, promotion. You know, sometimes we handle those sinful moments a good well, but sometimes promotion goes to our head. Come on, men. We're ego guys, are we not? Come on. If you got manhood, you, you, want, you want to, you know, you get a little proud. God hates pride, but we still get it. And when we're promoted a little bit, boy, we want everybody to know. We want mama to know. We want our kids to get, we want grandkids, we want everybody to know. And when we get promoted, you know, I mean, after all, we don't need God anymore. We're doing pretty good on ourselves. That could have been Joseph's story. That could have been the snapshot that we read about today, but it's not. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Notice what happens. There, once again, the dreams come up. Joseph had dreams, got him in trouble. But then there's some dreams in prison that he learns he has, the, the butler has a dream and the baker has a dream and they don't know what it means. And they ask him, hey, can you help us with interpreting this dream? Yes. Well, the butler, his dream basically restored him. He became the cupbearer of the king again, restored fully back to his position. And it, it, the, the dream was him squeezing grapes in the cup and all that, but not important for you. Just so you know that the butler got restored back in three days. And that's what Joseph told me. In three days, you're going to be restored. Whew, three days it happened. Then... During that time, the baker asked him, he said, here's my dream. And he, his body didn't have a head, and he was hung for the birds to pick the bones. And in three days, his dream came true. Joseph was right even about that. Well, then Pharaoh had a dream. Joseph still in prison. He had two dreams, actually. One was of seven fat cattle and seven lean cattle. That the lean cattle devoured the fat cattle. And then the, there were seven fat ears of corn and seven lean 
ears of corn that devoured the seven fat ears of corn. And Pharaoh wanted to know the interpretation. He asked, he asked, he asked. And finally the butler said, hey, I'm, while I'm serving you your drink, there's a guy down in the prison that helped me. So they called Daniel up. And he told him his dream. Notice what happened. The very gift that got him, in, got him in trouble with his brothers is the very gift God used to promote him. Notice what happened in verse 28. He, he noted, he, first of all, he, gives, he recognized God's gift. He said, this is the thing which I've spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Now get this. Joseph very carefully said, God is doing this. I'm not doing it. I'm not in charge of this, but God's doing this. And what God is about to do, he's telling you. So he recognized God. Then notice Pharaoh's promotion. Pharaoh promoted him because all that he, that the, the interpretation was true. He felt it was true. Joseph said, you need to set somebody over the, all the harvest and store it up. And look in verses 39 through 44. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as God showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house. And according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have set thee over all the land. And I won't read the rest of that. But, but he was made second ruler over Egypt. And according to 41, chapter 41, verse 46, he was 30 years old. That means in 13 years, 17 he was taken, and 13 years he became second ruler in Egypt. He was promoted. And it could have gone to his head. And you know, you might get some accolades. All-state basketball. All-state football. Top salesperson, valedictorian. We've got all kinds of promotions that we, we have that we can let go to our head. But notice what happens to Joseph. And I got, and I, listen, that's happened to all of us here. We all have things that we've accomplished and that, God, that God's brought in our lives. Let me say, when you're promoted, you need to be careful because here's, notice what happens here. He's at 30 years, he's the second ruler over Egypt. Pot, uh, Pharaoh no, recognized and promoted him, but I want you to see Joseph's response. Turn to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. There's a parenthetical chapter in there and a lot of details, but let me just... Here he is during these seven years of fat. He's taken one-fifth of the grain and he's storing it. He ends up feeding the and keeping many countries alive by his plan to store grain. And guess what family desperately needed grain? Guess who needed grain that he was instrumental in keeping alive? His own family who rejected him. His mother, his father, and his siblings. They were out of food. They heard of Egypt having food. They came and asked. And you know, this, many of you know the story. But I want you to understand that he kept, his, he kept himself disguised for, the, for he looked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He was 13 years older since they last saw him. He didn't even look like himself. And second in command in Egypt, I mean, they didn't even suspect that that was who it was. But when he revealed himself to him, 
they scared. They were scared. And notice, his, I love his response in verse 20. But as for you, he said, don't be angry with yourself. Don't be upset. As for you, you thought evil against me. Think about all the people that have thought evil of you and how you might have responded to them. But God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Amen. Joseph said, I don't want revenge. I want restoration. I don't want to, I don't want to take my, advantage, my promotion and, and, and use it against you. I want to use it for the cause of Christ. I want to save the Hebrew nation by providing food to my family. Joseph had a life-changing moment. He could have gone, he could have been revengeful. He could have just given the word and they would have been killed. But he said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. How many of you can say that about the circumstances in your life? How many of you can say that? God meant it for good. For you see, we, we get, we get kind of confused when, when rejection comes along, don't we? We get hurt. Our feelings get hurt. And we want revenge and, and want all those emotions. When we're tempted, we, we get kind of tangled up in all that. And then when we're promoted, it's almost like, oh, yeah, look at me. And a response, but Joseph, everywhere, God was with him and kept him. Let me apply that, the message here. Do you need to deal with rejection in your life this morning? How many of you have actually taken from your life experience a life-changing moment when you felt rejection and you don't trust God? Because of it. There are people who say, why would God do this if he's a loving God? Why would God allow this if he loves me? And let me say this, God loves you. And he plans to do good if you allow him. Do you need to deal with some rejection in your life? How are you handling temptation that comes your way? Notice I'm not saying, are you having any temptation? Because you're being tempted. It's common unto man. But he's made a way of escape. How are you handling it? How are you handling it? And thirdly, does promotion and success dislodge you from God's plan for your life? What's going on in your life today? You know, you're here in a place right now that God can help you have a life-changing snapshot right here, right now. But you have to be willing.